You are back with the conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. This is Catherine Cruz. Everyone hoped we would have been well on the road to recovery moving into this third quarter of the year. Not so here on Oahu, the gathering place. We are not allowed to gather in large groups for safety's sake. Uh, joining us as we check in on the food service industry is Peter Merriman. He's the owner and chef of Merriman's Hawaii and 2018 Restaurateur of the Year. For, for 30 years, Merriman has led his restaurants in the local community with the mantra of do the right thing, outsourcing 90% of his ingredients from local farmers, producers, and purveyors. He is a three-time James Beard nominee and pioneer of the Hawaii Regional Cuisine Movement. And full disclosure, Peter is also a member of Hawaii Public Radio's Community Advisory Board, representing Lahaina, and is an underwriter. We also have Onyong Nagata. She is uh, Waihata's Director of Sales and Merchandising. Uh, the family-owned company, whose roots are in Hilo, has a 107-year history here in the islands. The wholesaler has long held uh, contracts with hotels and restaurants, our, all of our private schools, as well as the military. Here on Oahu, shoppers may be familiar with Chef Zone. It's a big-box warehouse store on Sand Island. Uh, we also have Tambra Garrick. She's the incoming chair for the board of the Hawaii Restaurant Association and is vice president of the Maui Pineapple Store. Uh, for the past eight years, uh, Tambra was with the uh, was the regional sales and marketing manager for Landry's, uh, overseeing the sales for the Honolulu Mai Tai Bar and three Bubba Gump Shrimp uh, restaurants in Hawaii. Good morning, Tambra. Morning. I'm so glad you could join us. <laughs> uh, and congr yeah. Congratulations uh, on the selection uh, of chair uh, for the board. And so your term actually what starts uh, next year? Correct, correct. So the current chair is Greg Maples from the Polynesian Cultural Center and the Pounders restaurant on their property. Um, he wasn't available today, so I'm happy to be here um, to talk about. Um, what we're seeing from the Hawaii Restaurant Association's perspective and our members and, and really restaurants um, and eateries across the state. So uh, what can you share with us? I mean, uh, how are our members doing out there? Sure. Really just like to start with is, is letting everyone know that, you know, people in the restaurant industry, restaurant managers, owners, operators, really um, have always been committed to health and safety. So, you know, there's so many different regulations and trainings that they've gone through. So really they're positioned to be um, the best at handling this type of situation, even though it is completely unprecedented. So for our members of the Hawaii Restaurant Association, our commitment to the safety of not only of our staff, but our customers and the community at large is really our number one priority. And then now just trying to operate during, you know, this, what's happening in the opening and the closing. For us, something that we have been really trying to work with um, local government, state government, federal government, is just help and support with communication. So, you know, recently when we had to go from in, in dining um, to takeout only, with such short notice, it was very, very difficult for a lot of our members. So as we look to reopen, we are asking for as much lead time as possible just so we can make sure that, you know, we can order product, that we can properly bring staff back on, you know, that maybe we had to lay off during this last two weeks um, and, you know, they had to reapply for unemployment to, to give them time and notice to come back to work. 
Um, so, you know, ideally, I mean, you know, we want all the time in the world, but a minimum of three days of lead time is what we're asking for right now. Okay. And uh, good morning, Peter. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hi. We're good, but I know you folks had to lay off a number of employees uh, when this thing first came down. Yeah, we had to. We were laid off about 1,200 people, unfortunately. Um, and so, it, you know, it's, it's been traumatic, to say the least. And you have you have restaurants on uh, on four islands, so I, I imagine it's it's just been very stressful. I mean, you've got different leases with different people. Uh, you know, how's that going? What's that snapshot? Well, I don't think it's any more difficult to have um, multiple multiple island locations than to just be on any one location right now. It's a little bit tricky in the in the sense that you know Oahu has uh, you know. It's, Restrictions which are greater than the other islands right now, but that's not that's not terribly problematic. I mean, in the end, the problem is it, the biggest problem is, is the problem, which is there's no demand, there's no market to, to sell to right now. So that's you know I, I'm I'm giggling to myself because they always talk about supply side economics, and here I am living in the world of demand side economics. And now, of the 1,200 employees that you've had to lay off, I mean, how many folks have you been able to bring back on? Um, I'm not sure. I I would say it's about 100. Um, We did get uh, PPP money, so we're spending our PPP money on on our employees at any of the locations where we um, we receive the money from the government. And uh, But that's going to run out in October. And that becomes a real interesting calculation for us because if the federal government doesn't come up with a new program, um, then the calculations on staying open or not really change. Because currently the, the PPP money is, is underwriting our businesses, if you will. That's what's keeping our people employed. And without that, we couldn't be open right and, and how has that been going for you? I mean, I know here on Oahu, we've got those added restrictions, but how are the other islands faring? They're actually doing um, pretty well. Um, they're um, considering um, they're doing well. Our, our volume of business is down over 80% from what we normally would be doing at this time. Um, so that that's challenging. Um, but other than that, it's, um, you know, the, Everybody, you know, our employees are just fantastic, and they all understand that times have changed and different things are required and asked of them, and they, they go forward willingly. And, and, and the vast majority of our uh, guests right now, our customers, are, are people that live here in Hawaii. So that's great because people in Hawaii tend to be kind of nice folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, all told, it could be worse. I have to say that I, my personal feeling is this original move by Congress to do the PPP money was government at its best almost. I mean, that, in my opinion, that, that saved my business and it maybe saved the whole economy at least until October. Yeah, and, and the uncertainty I know is kind of killing everybody uh, with what, what's going to uh, come down, uh, you know, over the next couple of months. Um, Onyong, uh, I know uh, Waihata, you've got locations on a, a, a couple of islands here, and, and you folks have had to lay off uh, 
uh, employees as well. We did. So we operate statewide. We're on Oahu, Kauai, and Hilo. And we, as just like Peter, we received the, we were fortunate enough to receive the PPP funds as well. Um, but unfortunately, we did have to um, permanently lay off a little over 100 after all that was said and done. And, you know, so for a family-owned company that's been around for over 107 years, um, I would just say it was really heartbreaking. And I'm sure it broke Russell's and his family's heart the most. So, you know, we've been really focused on the remaining Ohana. And also, you know, as Tamara mentioned, you know, the restaurant customers who we consider our partners and trying to help them um, recover, um, help them with surf safe certifications, help them with their inventory, with cost-cutting measures. But the volatility that um, shutdowns within with one notice of business day and then back up and the fluctuations and the miscommunication or inconsistent mis- inconsistent communication is very, very challenging on our customer partners and then therefore us. You know, everybody realizes we live on an island, and so there is just something we can't deny, which is we cannot get product here in one day. Um, it just takes, there's a certain lead time. And so it's very toxic, this cycle on everybody. Um, when the shutdown happened last week, um, w- immediately after the announcement, by noon, we were already getting rejection. They, our customers wouldn't take delivery. And so it's just a massive trickle-down effect on everybody. And we're also very fortunate to have the DOE and the military as our customers, and obviously lots of hospitality. And so, you know, all these different sectors are feeling different kinds of pains, and therefore we feel it as well. It's just very, very challenging. And then for the remaining staff after, you know, these significant layoffs, you know, imagine, everybody can imagine running, you're running leaner, but you still have, you may have less work, but it's just more complex work because of the volatility and ambiguity. And so it's, it's super unfortunate all around, but especially watching our customers who've been our customers for 10, 20, 30 years struggle. Um, it's very, very challenging. Well, talk about what you're doing for some of the chefs, some of the restaurants that are that are shut down. Yeah, thank you for asking. So, um, well, first and foremost, it's you know just trying to help them recover and sustain. Um, so that's number one. But beyond that, you know, even though we're family owned and over 107 years old, we've had to force ourselves to pivot. And so, some of the things that we did have to do with Chef Zone is a cash and carry business. So. It used to be, it actually is food service operator focused, absolutely hands down. But since the pandemic, the membership has um, toggled a bit. And so now it's about neck and neck with Ohana members. And the membership is free. So when I say Ohana, it means anybody, Mr. and Mrs. Sato living anywhere can come in and get free membership. So since our customer base has changed significantly, then our product and our customer service and the way we do business has to change as well. Um, would still focus on food service, and then obviously the safety aspect. But as far as the real pivots, we've launched an e-commerce site. We've um, so that was huge curbside pickup, um, partnering with Elite for delivery. But the latest thing that I feel really, really proud about is we've been partnering with customer chefs who were either laid off or you know their work is reduced significantly and partnered for a program called the Chef's Box. 
And there's lots of food boxes out there that are doing really, really well. So um, our program, we, we're featuring Chef Mark Freiberg, who used to be at Mariposa. And we're also featuring Chef Keith Kong, who is, of course, still with Basalt and an ABC store, a longtime customer of ours. And we partner with them to create weekly curated gourmet boxes at different price points. And it's been going really, really well. And so, one, it's a pivot for us and slowing down time while our primary business, our customers, can come back up. But it's also going back to helping the chefs that are either out of work or less work. And so we're really focused on this and ramping it up and um, including more chefs. And one thing that hasn't launched yet that's really exciting is I'm talking with um, certain charities about co-branding a, you know, the chef's box and revenue sharing with them. And of course, their revenue portion will be a donation. So these are the kinds of things that we're just, the door is wide open. You know, there's not, it's not a no. I'm all about yeses and figuring out what that yes likes, yes looks like, pardon me. Well, that's a, a, a great idea to, to partner with the, with the nonprofits who are also hurting uh, during this time. Uh, and Peter, you know, you have uh, done a number of things, like you, you mentioned, to, you know, to help your employees uh, who are out of work. Can you talk uh, a little bit uh, about that program? Well, yeah, most of it was in the um, early part of the, of the shutdown back in March because if, if everybody remembers, there was a lag between when people got laid off and uh, when they could start collecting unemployment benefits, it took a while. And so um, we um, we made uh, food boxes, you know, cook your own. We didn't prepare the food. Um, but we made distributed food to our employees um, on all islands. And um, I, I think it was really helpful to them for a lot of families. That was, uh, you know, a, a needed uh Thing to come to them, and we're also going to work. We're trying to work right now with the uh, Department of Education. We haven't nailed that down yet, but uh, uh, provide some um, meals for um, kids um, here. on actually, which um, we hope we can get that. We hope to get that going because it just breaks your heart to think that there might be kids that are hungry on Maui. And did you also do a GoFundMe campaign to to help uh, some of your employees with grants? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that we did that as well. And um, that, the idea there was that there were certain people, for various weird reasons, they, they were um, not eligible um, for uh, to get unemployment benefits. So, um, and a lot of our guests were um, asking if they could somehow help our employees out because we like, especially in places like Waimea, where we have a lot of uh, local business there are regulars and it's, and it's almost a haunt i mean they they eat in the uh, restaurant very often and they know our people so they're they're really feeling bad and what happened initially was we did a little uh to go program um in line now and it was just the managers that were working none of the hourly employees and our regular customers were, were pulling up and they were buying a you know a 30 dollar dinner or something to go and then they'd leave a 200 dollars tip and so what the managers decided to do, totally on their own, it didn't have anything to do with me, um, they decided to pool those tips, take all the tips that they did receive, and then give it to out to the employees. And, that, and, that's, and they went to the farmers, because we realized that the farmers were cut too, because all of a sudden their, their market had dried up. So as much as possible, we went to the farmers, took those tips, went to the farmers, bought some food from the farmers, and then gave it away to our employees who needed it. So 
it was, it was a you know it was a temporary fix, but I think it helped a little bit for uh, people that were in a jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, just uh, anything to you know to to tide them over. You know, we did also reach out to uh, uh, another chef, uh, Leanne Wong. Uh, she was a co-owner of the Cocoa Head Cafe in Kaimuki here on Oahu and the executive chef of Pioneer Inn in Lahaina, Maui. Here's the difference that she sees between the two islands. We shut down Cocoa Head on Oahu, and that is temporarily closed, but we're, you know, we're kind of being very fluid in the, the sort of wait-and-see game and see where uh, what's going to happen with Oahu. But in the meantime, I'm working like a three-man show over in Lahaina, and with everything that's going on on Oahu, like, the outer islands are suffering. You know, it's like there's not even inner island travel anymore. It's like there's no, you know, you can't really depend on a local economy because, you know, Congress hasn't passed a stimulus. Everyone's on vacation and, you know, people are scared and they're sitting at home holding onto their money. So it's like very different scenes where it's like everybody's been out and social on Oahu. It's like dead on in Maui. Lahaina, like a place that's normally... 90% visitors is like a ghost town. Yeah, and, you know, while the state's emergency orders allows for takeout, a Cocoa Head Cafe has been closed since August. Uh, here's how, how Leanne came to that decision. I told my my partner and, like, my chefs and the management over at Cocoa Head, I'm like, if you guys want to close, go ahead and close. You know, our employees don't want to come to work because they're afraid of the outbreak. We can close, but... At the end of the day, we waited for the stay-at-home order. And it's just, you know, telling businesses to go back to takeout, you know, we've already furloughed our employees once, and having to do it again is just crazy. It's like businesses can't survive on takeout. It was hard enough to survive at 50% capacity with dine-in. You know, and and you just feel, uh, you know, for Leanne and and the employees, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Tambra, you want to weigh in on on uh, you know what you've just heard here? Yeah, I, I actually um, live on the island of Maui and um, in on the west side. So what she's saying is absolutely accurate. And um, you know, it's just so sad to see so many places that um, are closed right now, just because, like Peter mentioned, there's just not the market for it. You know, and we talked about you know. People had received PPP, but for a lot of people that applied at the very beginning when that first came out, those funds have already been exhausted. So what we really need is additional financial support for restaurants to be able to survive. Um, You know, rent forgiveness or rent grants, additional PPP, um, and additional money. Um, You know, I know that that additional $300 for unemployment will go into effect, but, you know, it's going to take a while. And so... Um, you know, we really um, all need to make sure that we're submitting testimony and talking to um, local, state, and federal government officials to let them know, you know, what we need if we're going to be able to make it through this as an industry. And Unyoung, anything uh, uh, you want to add to this? I just like to echo what uh, Tambra just shared. Um, we've just got to keep speaking up. Um, you know, the HRA is doing a great job. The Chamber of Commerce is doing a great job. Of course, the Neighbor Island Chamber of Commerce is as well. Um, we've got to get them to look at the real data and look at and focus their resources and education and time on 
where the real positives are happening. Um, I think there's a I think there's a, a definite education issue. Um, we just have to target the actual issue at hand. These um, and I and, I'm, and I want to give them a little credit. You know, it's getting better, but these blanket initiatives and these blanket restrictions um, are having massive effects on mental well-being, physical well-being, financial well-being. And um, I'm, I'm not ever going to say that lives don't matter, but, um, you know, health is one component of this state and, and our well-being. And so um, I just want us to keep speaking up and keep working together because I'm very, very worried about the financial the economic, the mental, and the physical well-being, to shut down um, the ability to go and walk in a beach park alone, um, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I just can't agree with that. I know it's hard. You know, you, you, you kind of uh, tell yourself, okay, we're going to get through this, we're going to get through this, and then you kind of battle maybe a, a bout of depression because this is certainly lasting longer than many folks thought it was and and recovery you know people are saying could go into next year and and it's 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 tough it's tough uh peter anything else you you want to add just uh, hearing what leanne's been through um yeah i could yeah i have a lot and <laughs> <laughs> you know i i i agree with the idea that um, we have to rethink um everything and and as the, the more they learn about the virus, the more they're saying that the outdoors are the safe place. And I think it's really important that we understand the difference between indoor dining and outdoor dining. That's, that's, that's number one. And then I think there's going to have to be some structural changes in how business is done in Hawaii. And, and I'm, not a, I'm not sure how we get to that point. But the, the models we had of uh, tenant-landlord relationships um, prior to this pandemic, if they try to stay in place um, post-pandemic, it's going to put virtually everybody out of business. Um, and so those things are going to have to change significantly. Um, and I, I think part of the issue is that, um, you know, land is so dear in Hawaii that we um, restaurants as tenants relative to our, our um, colleagues on the mainland pay a really expensive um, ticket to um to lease spaces and um that's okay in the good times and in the bad times it, it, it becomes extremely problematic and um we're we're talking about how it's, it's dead on the neighbor islands here on maui and so forth and you know that's because yes we live by the sword and we die by the sword and that sword is tourism um at this point and it's not going to come rushing back in my opinion or, well at least we cannot count on it rushing back one day we won't wake up and the pandemic is over and the planes are full again so um i think there's going to have to be a lot of thought we're going to have to back up lenders who back up um landlords who then uh, pass on some of that savings to tenants it's going to be a complicated process but it has to, it's going to take a lot of uh transparency and discussion amongst the key players and they're that's where government could help out as a negotiator. I don't think government can solve all our problems, but they can come in and play a role in that. Yeah, that's, that's it. All right. Well,
Well, if you're just joining us, this is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. Uh, today's show brings together a local wholesaler, the Restaurant Association, and a chef and owner of a, a chain of local eateries across the state. You can join our discussion by calling one 941 3689 Stay with us. We'll be right back after a short break. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Susan Campbell, author of 5-Minute Relationship Repair. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about how to quickly heal upsets and deepen intimacy. Sunday morning at 11. I'm Marco Werman from The World. Germany is letting kids go back to school in shifts. Italy eased its lockdown but remains vigilant. South Korea got its infection rate down to nearly zero, but they're still wearing masks. As communities across the U.S. work out their plans, our team is keeping track of how the rest of the planet is moving forward. It's the world. Join us. Starting this afternoon at 1. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Honolulu Board of Water Supply, working to protect and manage Oahu's drinking water resources for life. Learn seven ways to save water at boardofwatersupply.com. back with the conversation and before the break uh you know peter merriman you were talking about the issue of rent uh so what's been your experience uh you know with either big landlords or, or small landlords uh yeah it's, it's a, a varied experience um you know we, we were finding out that um that actually some of our larger landlords are the more understanding um, they seem to have the better uh, sense of the uh, situation possibly it's because some of our landlords operate across the country and they they appreciate the depth and the, the challenge that that we're in um, but uh, you know we'll, we'll probably uh, have to lose one or two of our restaurants and um, really that has to do one of the primary factors in that decision is uh, landlords unwillingness to uh, bend an agreement that was you know has been in place for years possibly but they're uh, reluctant to want to take less money now in post pandemic and I, I mean I, I can understand the landlord sentiment on that uh, my own personal feeling is that they're, they're probably making a mistake because there's just going to be less money out there to be spent on rent across the entire state next year and so everybody's got to take a a part of the hit, uh, the entire cost of this um, de- economic downturn cannot be borne by the tenant, who in this case is restaurant operators. And then, Tamara, I know the Restaurant Association, uh, you know, periodically uh, surveys its members. Uh, what can you share with us about the snapshot? Yeah, so we actually um, just finished um 
the August survey, obviously the data hasn't come out yet. So that was in partnership with the National Restaurant Association. So once we have that data compiled, you know, we'll have a better look at um, where people are at right now and what they need. Um, but definitely, you know, every time that we send out any sort of surveys, um, rent and additional financial support are at the top of, of you know, the support that they're looking for. And because the number of uh, COVID-19 cases, you know, is on the rise throughout the state, um, I don't know, can you share, you know, any experiences about, you know, what you folks are or hearing it from your members, uh, you know, about, you know, having a positive COVID case, uh, you know, at your restaurant or facility? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, something that everyone, I think, no matter if you're in this industry or whatever industry you're in, is paying attention to and taking seriously. And, you know, I, I commend a lot of the restaurants across the state that um, have been very proactive and, um, you know, we've all seen on the news some of the issues with the transparency and the ability of the contact um, tracing that it has been happening and, and some of the opportunities that we have there. So there have been restaurants um, that have, have known that something happened and proactively, you know, they didn't wait to be called by um, the health department. They immediately, you know, closed temporarily. Um, it, cleaning and things like that. So we've seen that um, and, you know, and we're thankful to those folks that are, are really being proactive and, and wanting to make sure that the health and safety of everyone is really at the forefront of everything that we do. It, it's very difficult, though. You know, you look at social media and, and, and never, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. And um, the people that are supporting restaurants and getting takeout and and, you know, going to dine in on neighbor islands, I know that everyone is thankful from suppliers to farmers to the person that's, you know, that you're seeing right there at the restaurant, the chef in the back of the house. It really does make a difference and every little bit helps. And so we're just so thankful for, for people that have continued to eat out and, and really promote it. I think early on, I think we saw the McDonald's on the Big Island. Uh, you know, they had a, a, a cluster, and I, I know the health department said, you know, the risk of transmission was very low, you know, to, to nil, and uh, they were able to, to contain that. Uh, Peter, you had, uh, I think, a couple cases, right? And you came out and and, uh, and uh, were pretty transparent. Yeah, we had um, uh, three cases at one restaurant um, in early March. Um, we didn't even know what it was yet, really, but we kind of – we suspected that's what it was, so we were asking our employees to stay home immediately. Um, and then it was um, it was rough for us because um, the employees got tested, but then it took 11 days for them to get the results from, from their test. So what we did, rather than wait for the results of the test, we just went ahead and closed at that, at that point in time, um, which turned out to be the right thing to do. But... You know, when it's March and it's a busy season in Hawaii and you're closing a big restaurant, it's, it's not an easy decision to make. Um, actually, um, the lieutenant governor actually told me, he said, you know, do the state a favor and, and close. And so that's kind of what drove our, our decision uh, to go ahead and do that. So it, it, 
was difficult. There wasn't much guidance other than from the lieutenant governor, which I really appreciated. Um, we actually felt a, a little bit um, at a loss as to what to do. And I, I also think that to a certain extent the, um, the idea of cleaning surfaces and so forth is, is getting um, too much emphasis in, in, in restaurants right now. It seems to me that the big issue is going to be uh, aerosols, um, airborne um, spread of the disease, and it doesn't seem like contact surfaces have, um, have spread that much disease as of yet. And, and still, when I see in the mainland, there'll be a restaurant and they'll have a, an employee that gets it or something, and, and they're required to close for a day or two days and do a total sanitation. And I'm not sure that that's a, at all the right approach. But, um, and I think it's going to be critical because we're going to have to learn to live with COVID, um, at least for the near future. And so what we're going to have to learn how to do is put our efforts in the places that are most effective. And um, one of the things is not spending a lot of time and money cleaning the streets, so to speak, when there's no disease in the street. Um, and and this, is, this, is, this is where another place where the government can really help, because if they can get the information and communicate it adequately so that the entire community understands what the, where the dangers lie, then we'll all be able to operate at a more efficient level. And Onyoung, I know your setup is a little bit different. You know, you've got the big warehouse there at Chef Zone. Uh, you know, can you talk about what you folks are, are doing, uh, you know, as far as, you know, the whole sanitation thing? I can, but first I'd like to really um, thank Peter and echo everything he was saying. We, our customers, restaurateurs, could, you know, they're the most conscientious safest, safety, sanitation-minded people we know. Um, it's very safe. And, you know, you go and get takeout or dine-in when it's possible, and you can see the, the facilities, the signage, and the employees, and the safety measures. And it's just very consistent, very clean. And so the restaurants are not where um, – are, are not the risk because the safety measures are really, really being upheld because that's how they run their business – anyway and so they're very very compliant and also outside as well i think peter talked a lot about the outside air it's safe i too have also read in multiple reputable um publications that it's becoming known that the aerosol is more contagious and it's not about contact but you know again seeing the surface cleaning still being prevalent and i'm wondering if that's just a more psychological thing that people just feel better if you tell them you've cleaned the whole facility. Um, but again, it comes back to another thing he said, which is education. How do we get the right and appropriate, accurate scientific information out there to the masses of diverse people so enough people understand where the risk really is and where the risk really isn't? For our facilities, Chef Zone has not closed a single day, and our warehouse has not closed a single day either. So for Chef Zone, like our customer partners, we've ramped up social distancing, mask wearing at all times, our employees, masks, face shields on top of that, social distancing, plexiglasses, 
you know, extra sanitation, you know, again, that might be a psychological thing, but, you know, we feel good about that as well. When you initially walk in, well, you have to have a mask on. When you initially walk in, there's a hand sanitizing station. The carts are wiped down. All the things that the restaurants and other wholesalers, retailers are doing, um, that's first and foremost for our employees and then our customers. So, you know, these are safe places. And again, like Peter said, this is something we're going to have to get normalized to living with. So how do we cope in the best way that we can and understand where the risks are and not be so reactive and fearful? I tell my family and friends, I am careful. I'm not fearful because that is no way we can live this. This, is gonna, this may go on for 6 to 12 more months in some fashion. Careful, not fearful. Yeah, that, that, that's a, a, a good point. Uh, you know, Tamara, uh, you, you want to talk about maybe, I guess, um, some of the restaurants that aren't following the rules? I think the majority does, but I know the health department has had to step in, you know, to say, hey, folks, the tables are supposed to be separated. You have to be uh, mindful. You have to have fewer diners. Uh, you know, everybody's got to be wearing, you know, masks, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, for us, um, we're just so thankful that we have a really active and engaged uh, membership of people that really do want to do the right thing. And I think we talked a little bit today about education. And so when we come across someone or we see someone or we hear about someone, and believe me, like people will call us at the Restaurant Association, um, we, take, we take it as an opportunity to um, help coach and counsel um, whoever that person might be and let them know. And, you know, a lot of it just goes to the fact that the rules change so often and there's so much conflicting information. So um, if anyone has a restaurant and has questions, um, we update the Hawaii Restaurant Association website multiple times a day as things change. Um, You can sign up, whether you're a member or not, you can put in your email address at our website and you will be automatically subscribed to our newsletters that go out. So, um, you know, you, you can have access to accurate information as it becomes available. Um, so, you know, we are just, um, you know, trying to get the information out to restaurants, ice cream shops, everyone, um, of what the current rules are. And if we, find, if we come across somebody that maybe isn't following exactly what it should be. It could be a matter of they didn't know. They're busy running their restaurant. Uh, they, they missed the memo, and we're happy to help them um, become compliant. So, you know, um, I think that that's really the perspective that we take is just trying to educate, help, and assist um, everyone across, all, across the state. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, our guests in our studio are Tamara Garrick of the Hawaii Restaurant Association, Onyong Nagata, Nakata of Waihata Company, and Peter Merriman of Merriman's Hawaii. Uh, you know, we talked a bit about what uh, government can do right now. Um, let's go back to Chef Leanne Wong about uh, her thoughts on this issue. What's done is done at this point, but moving forward, businesses need support bars, restaurants, all the businesses that were told to shut down, they need rent relief. They're not going to make it. I mean, you know, like Cocoa Head is a solid business, but at the end of the day, I have had to come to terms with the idea of possibly shutting it down for good. 
so it becomes this point where I think as a the chef, as an employee, as a, as a business owner, you're kind of like, is it worth the effort? Is it worth the effort to go back and bust my ass twice as hard, you know, being told that I can have 50% capacity and, you know, everybody's out of work, so nobody's got money. Is it worth it to, like, go through that on the idea that you might fail spectacularly again and just keep climbing into debt? Because that's that's the, the real scenario right now. And, you know, I, I believe the Kauai Chamber of Commerce did a survey of their members. Uh, most had said that, yeah, that a, a number of them, you know, might shut down if this goes on for too long. But they did also acknowledge that they understand why we have had to, why government has had to do what it has to do in order to keep people safe. Uh, but who wants to chime in here just a, about, uh, you know, what else uh, lawmakers can do if they're out there listening? <laughs> Peter? Sure. So she's, she's exactly right, um, uh, Leanne Wong, that, you know, businesses right now are still catching up from, you know, the BART shutdown. So they have back rent, they have vendors to pay, utilities to pay. Um, and really, we all want to get our staff and our employees back to work. It's really difficult to do when you still have all of these outstanding bills to pay. And like I mentioned earlier, that first round of PPP that's done and gone. So getting additional financial support, rent relief, additional grant money, um, PPP money, you know, when this money comes down from the federal government, getting it into the hands of business owners as quick as possible with not a lot of, um, you know, paperwork and red tape is going to be imperative to keeping folks afloat. So I really hope that, um, you know, that's something that we can do. And and at the Restaurant Association, you know, at the beginning, we were helping people apply for PPP, and we're happy to continue to um, work with folks on any grants that become available. But definitely letting um, your government officials know that this is really important, I think, is going to be key. Peter? I think that, um, well, there's two things. One is I think the state and local governments can only do so much. They're they're limited in, in their ability. They don't print money like the federal government, so that makes a big difference. But then there's another issue here where the federal government could act, which is just absolutely giant, and it doesn't get very much exposure at all. And that's the fact that the insurance companies have refused to pay business interruption insurance across this country. And my understanding is there's something like 800 – the um, insurance industry has something like $800 billion in reserve and another $400 uh, billion in, in um, reinsurance reserve for this, for this type of uh, situation. And um, so that's $1.2 trillion that the insurance companies obviously don't want to pay. I, don't, <laughs> I can get their point. I wouldn't want to give up that money either. But for, for people who have been in business for many, many years, we've been in business for 30 years, and we've been paying business interruption insurance um, every year, never collected once on it. Now when the big opportunity comes, they're finding a loophole to use to get out of it. So what I think could happen is the federal government could step in. Um, there's actually a move um, to do this. This is not my idea. This is a, uh, a, an attorney out of New Orleans called Hal Telling. He's uh, running an organization called the 
the big, the big uh, business interruption group. And what they're asking to do is to have a, um, a place where um, insurance companies could opt to go in there. And if you go in there, then the you will be paying your um, you will be paying out claims to people who had been business interruption insurance. But the federal government will pick up a portion of that tab, not the whole tab. But here's the really interesting part of it to me is that what this hoteling is saying is that what it does is it cuts the attorneys out of the deal. So all these billions of dollars are going to go into legal fees as, as, as we restaurateurs start suing our insurance companies to try to get their money, and there's a countersuit by the insurance companies. There's going to be billions that go, go to, to the legal. So instead of having the, the money go to the attorneys, why not put it back into the system and put it back to the people who have been paying the premiums for business interruption all these years? So I, I think that's one of the really big solutions a little bit complicated, so it doesn't get as much airtime or talked about nearly as often. And I think that's really what our federal government could do for us at this time. And Onyoung, any thoughts that you have, just uh, as you know, being part of this uh, uh, wholesaler, you know, distributor business? I think the two points that pros- that I can add are. Um, I expect our local and state government to be more open to a public-private partnership. So it seems that the date, the decisions that are being made are being made in a vacuum and not with the partnership with the HRA or the chamber or, you know, restaurateurs themselves. Um, in particular, two, two topics. One is unemployment benefits, which I wholeheartedly support and unemployment benefits but um, the way that it's coming down, the amounts or the way it's being executed or the lack of speed in which it's being executed or the duration, the way it's designed is having some negative effects on employers' ability to staff up and staff up with the right people. And the second portion is um, rent relief, not rent deferral. You know, there was a customer of ours who is one of our top customers who's, who's at this point family. And literally within the hour of deciding, he was within one hour of deciding to shutter permanently. But the only thing that stopped him from doing that was his landlord had a revelation and said, nope, you know what? I'm being, I'm, I'm being silly here. I'm being heartless here. I'm not going to let this tenant go because he can't pay. And called him and said, okay, let's work this out. But because of the, the, the rent that was due, this restaurant, this, this organization, this customer of ours in business for decades was about to shutter. So it's like it, nothing matters if they don't get that relief for the rent. It just doesn't go away. But overall, a better public-private partnership and communication. Get the real information from the people that it's infecting, affecting and not in a vacuum, please. We've got about, I don't know, four minutes left. Is there anything uh, you folks want to say to the customers? Canberra? Sure. Like I mentioned earlier, just thank you. Thank you, thank you. I know um, every restaurant that is open, that is serving you, is thankful for every dollar that you spend. And um, 
it's really important. You know, it's the, the like we talked about earlier, it's the whole supply chain. It's, you know, the local farmer that's supplying the restaurant and the employees, and it just really goes a long way. And um, so if you're able to, um, please dine out and feel safe and feel comfortable and eat some delicious food. Peter? I would echo that, especially the supply chain side. I mean, um, everybody forgets about uh, there's a lot of fishermen that are sitting at home right now, and there's a lot of farmers that don't have a market, and those poor folks often had crops in the ground when this hit, and there's money into those crops, and they couldn't sell them. So, you know, when you do go shopping for yourself, uh, try to buy local as often as possible and come visit your local neighborhood restaurant in the meantime. Yeah, and I think it's so important, you know, if you have been a longtime customer of a place and and that establishment has provided, you know, wonderful memories for families and friends, you know, for gatherings, for anniversaries or birthdays, special occasions, yeah, come out and, and support them uh, in this uh, time of need uh, because it is, uh, it is stretching out longer than uh, uh, I think folks had expected. Um, what about you, Anyong? Any anything you want to say to the customers out there? Yeah. So the the general customers, you know, all of us um, like Tambra and like Peter, keep eating out, and also keep posting on social to inspire others um, to keep eating out and and getting takeout and, and and all and it make it fun and it's all we're on this together. The other side, our customers, Waihata customers, and all restaurateurs, you know, hang in there. We got your back. We will get through this. Okay. Well. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts uh, just for 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 the year? <laughs> uh, we've got about a minute. I think we're all learning how important uh, restaurants were in the social fabric of our entire country. I mean, uh, we're really starting to understand our culture in many ways revolves around restaurants. They're more than just businesses. All right. Well, thank you so much. We would like to thank our guests, Onyong Nakata of Waihata Company, chef and restaurant owner Peter Merriman, and Tamra Garrick of the Hawaii Restaurant Association. And we thank you, the listener, for uh, listening to uh, today's show. We do welcome your feedback. You can contact the Talkback line. Leave your comments. That number, 808-792-8217. You can also send us an email at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And if you want to listen back to today's show, check out the Conversation Podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.